Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Jesse Rivera Likes to Talk. I think I'm going to change the name of the podcast again. I think I'm going to, I think, I think it's going to, I think I'm going to change the name to Let's Talk About It with Jesse Rivera. What do you guys think about that? I don't know. Anyway, welcome to another episode of the podcast. That was my dog. She just barked. Thank you to Mental Brew for letting me use your groovy music when we bring the podcast in. Listen, listen. Oh yeah, that's some good stuff. Hey, real quick, today is December 27th. It is my niece Amanda's birthday. Happy birthday, Munchie. Love you very, very much. She doesn't listen, but maybe somebody will tell her one day that I gave her a shout out on the podcast. So, today on the podcast, I have got the very funny, the very talented, the very kind Jillian Marie. I first noticed her at the open mics when uh, the pandemic uh subsided for a bit i know that the pandemic is like back in full force but if you're vaxxed if you're boosted if you're being careful you just it's not as bad as like if you're not vaxxed and if you're not being careful so you know anyway jillian marie i noticed her uh when everything reopened and she was very funny very kind and uh I told her she never got on my nerves. And <laughs> so, but then I noticed that she also does art. She's an artist, she paints. And I thought that was super interesting. So once I knew that she did more than just comedy, then I definitely knew that I wanted to talk to her. So she came over a couple of weeks ago and we sat down and we had ourselves a lovely conversation. Uh, it's a great talk and she really gets into just a lot about her comedy, her art, and the things that she does and the things that we should all do because I know that I work on it too, just like work on our mental health and try to, to stay like in a good, clean, clear state of mind. It's not always hard. It's not always easy to do. So uh, real quick, how was your Christmas? Did you get to spend it with the ones you love? I went to Bakersfield for a couple of days and it was nice. Uh, got a little bit of rain on the way down there. And there was no rain at all while I was there. Well, there was rain, but it was like when I was asleep. So then drove back yesterday and now I'm back in Sacramento and I will spend New Year's here. So that was me. That was the holidays. I am not tired of tamales yet. I will have tamales probably every other day until New Year's Day. Then on New Year's Day, I think I'm going to ease up on the tamales for a little while because... uh, not because of how I feel, but because of what the scale told me when I got off of it this morning. Okay? The scale beeped like two times saying that's too, too many tamales yesterday. So, but I had tamales for breakfast this morning. Along with a slice of uh, leftover uh, uh, Chicago Fire pizza. So, anyway. Enough about tamales. Enough about pizza. Enough about me. Let's get to the podcast. This is local this is sacramento comic sacramento artist habitant inhabitant of the world jillian marie please enjoy thanks bye jillian marie how the hell are you i am pretty good oh man how long you have not been doing comedy a long time right or did no, no. Okay. Um, Tell me about it. Because I, because I just I I don't know if I remember you pre-pandemic. Okay. All no, right. So no. tell me when you started. What's um, up? I actually so I decided in like June that I needed to try stand up and um at 
at the time, I still struggled to, like, get out of the house. I had a history of agoraphobia. And um, so I was trying to get myself to go to an open mic, but that was just too terrifying. So I actually signed up for a uh, stand-up class at Comedy Spot. Nice. And so I did that with um, Melissa McGillicuddy. Oh, love and them. It was so much fun. Um, you know, I'm sure you know Graciela Hamilton. And, yes. Um, yeah. Fell Sailing were in my class, and we had a lot of fun. And they convinced me to get to my first open mic. I think Graciela did the push. And, um, <laughs> and that was the first mic, I think, that, that Comedy Spot did back inside. Um, and so that was a really fun event. And then Yeah, because I bet you it was packed out. It was packed and everyone was really generous with their laughs. So it was so that was such a good experience that I didn't have trouble going back, you know. So. Uh-huh. But isn't it rough going from uh that welcoming uh comedy spot graduation show uh to a regular open mic? Uh, to the like... bar scene? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, for a couple months, you know, people had warned me that it wasn't <laughs> all sunshine and butterflies, especially at the bars. And so for a couple months, I just did the Tuesday night at Comedy Spot, just till I felt comfortable on stage. Fair. And then I went, I think the first one I did um, outside of that was at Luna's. So that's also a great fun environment that's mostly other comics and it, it's yeah. really nice but yeah then I went to scoreboard and that was when it was just like wow that's different <laughs> the, <laughs> the open mic at scoreboard man it, it like I, I gotta give it up to the do the work guys because they yeah. have created uh I didn't know what to call it <laughs> it's pandemonium oh, yeah. it's it's everything that those wrestling guys love yeah yeah and um but it's not for me. <laughs> I, you know, I enjoy going to scoreboard. First of all, it's like two blocks from my house, which is Score. ideal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but also, you know, the first couple of weeks I was like, it is rough in here. But then as soon as you get to know everybody and it's, yeah, it's a little bit easier. It, and, um, it, I, I love doing uh, uh, circles inside a scoreboard. Like I'll, I'll walk in and, I, and I'll see how the list is going. And I walk by, I see who's performing, then I go over into the corners, and there's yeah, always yeah. like those little clusters of, yeah. of people. So I love taking laps at scoreboard. Yeah, for sure. And what I really liked was it was a completely different set of people. I mean, there's overlap, but from the Midtown kind of group. and um, Yes. So, I don't know, doing both the bar scene and the Midtown mics has let me meet so many different people, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I want to say that the first time I saw you was at Vince's. Is that... It could have been. Is it, um, it could have been? I, yeah, I, I, I haven't done Vince's in a while, but uh-huh. for, for several weeks I went every week. So. Okay, yeah. And then uh, where did I see this year? Oh, uh, we, we, uh, I went right after you, right? At, oh, at, uh, um, at Kelly's. At Kelly's, at Kelly's open mic. At Firefly. Man, what a great debut open mic, right? Yeah. How, how early did you get there and how overwhelmed with you with that? how many people were there? Uh, I, I got there at 6.30. That's what she said was when we were going to sign up. And I feel like it was already fairly, fairly packed. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Same. Same. Because I get off work at six and it's like right around the corner from me. And I was like, oh, I got plenty of time to get there. I even thought about like grabbing some food and then heading over there. But I was like, oh, I'll just eat there. They got, they have food. But man, I, I don't think the wait staff was ready for us. Uh, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. 
It it was like I think I I was talking to Sarah Dutcher last night, and she said that when she got there, there was like thirty comics on the list. And oh yeah, and I think she got there like five minutes after I did. Yeah, which yeah. Might have been must have been the same time you you got there as well. Yeah, it was, but it was a lot of fun. Everyone was having a great time. Um, I really think uh, her son Ryan. That was the so I I've seen Ryan do improv a lot, yeah. and he's freaking phenomenal. And I'm always interested to see what these uh, what the the crossovers are gonna bring, and he he did not disappoint. Oh yeah, I, I I've seen him at Comedy Spot do um, the majority of the set he did there, but he did some new stuff too. And yeah, he's just fun to watch. Um, yeah, I feel like even if he didn't have good jokes, and he does, uh-huh. um, he's just got the presence and the performance to entertain. Yes, yes, that's very true. That's very true. Um, you said that, that, um, it took you a while to, to get out there and do comedy. Was it something that was mulling around in your head for, for months or for years? Oh, the idea of actually doing it was in my head for months, but like a a joke I made when I started the comedy classes, I've been doing stand-up comedy almost my whole life, but only in the shower, you know, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because I... I do kind of, um, you know, everyone does their best thinking in the shower, and I do my best uh, storytelling in the shower. Um, and so uh, just recapping my life um, and trying to make it funnier than it really is. Uh, so I've always kind of had the urge to do it, and when I tell stories to my friends, I interject jokes that I've planned before I tell the story, right? Like, I come with material, uh-huh. so... When uh, when you're doing stand up in the shower, do you have the do you take the, the the shower head off the wall and do you? I do not because I don't like to be cold, so I need it coming oh, down. Okay, <laughs> but okay. a shampoo bottle, maybe. Oh, all right, all right. So so you, so so you're a prop comic. <laughs> a prop comic, yeah, yeah. No, I don't have the coordination to be a prop comic. Yeah, I drop the shampoo bottle immediately. Okay, all right. <laughs> so after months of performing in the shower. Um, <laughs> Now, did, was this something that they came to you during the pandemic? And so, like, during the pandemic, you're like, well, I would go, but, I mean, there's a pandemic. Kind of. Um, kind of. So, before the pandemic, this is just, right before the pandemic, I was really struggling with my own depression. Everyone talks about getting depressed during the pandemic, but I was already there. I had a head start. And um, my agoraphobia was really bad. Like, I could not leave the house to go to the mailbox. You know, that was too wow. stressful for me. Um, so I started basically, uh, my, I had to put my dog down in December Aww. and that just like broke me cause I was already too, and being responsible and all that, you know, like, so I finally got my ass to therapy. Uh, uh-huh. I had to Uber there. Driving was too stressful. Like everything about my life at that point was too stressful. <laughs> and, um, I finally got to therapy. My therapist really helped me, and um, I started very slowly in January and February being able to kind of get out of the house, and um, I was really overcoming my agoraphobia, and then, bam, pandemic, lockdown. (laughs) Yeah. But it actually wasn't bad, because then it just meant that there were fewer people out. So I picked up a job with Instacart so that I'd have to go out, you know, um, but could set my own hours if I couldn't. And, And that really helped it got me to a place where i could actually go out and do regular things which got me to a place of being able to consider going out to do things that really scared me like you know 
performing at an open mic. Yeah. You know, I have a, a lot of friends that like gigs like Instacart and like Uber and Lyft really, I mean, th these are friends that like are great people, but like working a nine to five just isn't in their wheelhouse. Yeah. And it, it really, it really helped out a lot of people. Yeah, there are a lot of us, I think, uh, I include myself, <clears throat> who have trouble with a nine-to-five. Even before I struggled with agoraphobia, which was really only in the last couple of years, um, I mean, I have pretty serious ADHD, and um, it, it can just be really hard to make it through a nine-to-five. People expect behavior that's kind of unnatural, right? Yeah. And um, so... I kind of, at my last nine to five, I basically had a nervous breakdown, had to quit, or they fired me, or I just stopped going. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> it was a bad time for me. And um, so now I'm trying to kind of like figure out how to contribute to my, <laughs> to my household without um, losing my mind. So. We, what, what do you think triggered the agora? I don't, I don't, I mean, I know what agoraphobia is, right? Because just I've, I've heard about it and I've read right. about it. And I, I love the movie Ed Wood. And, uh, but what, what triggers it or what is it, uh, where, where does it stem from? Do you, do, yeah. Have you understood that yet? Or? So there are a lot of different triggers. For me, personally, I think it was just um, kind of autistic ADHD burnout, which is just um, people with neurodivergence, because I have autism as well, um, we have to mask kind of all day mask our, our autistic traits. It's, it's not something we do intentionally. It's something we're kind of trained to do from birth, but it involves a lot of mental power, right? So your brain is working really hard to act like you're normal all day, as well as working to do the work that you have to do. And it's like emotionally and physically exhausting. Draining, right? And because I didn't know at the time, I knew I had ADHD, but uh, nobody explained to me what that really causes. It was just like, this is a do bad in school thing. Here's a pill. It makes you do good in school. Everything's fixed, right? <laughs> and that's not really the case. And then uh, my autism was undiagnosed. So um, I didn't realize I was working harder. So I just kept pushing myself more and more, right? And then also, I was commuting from Livermore to South San Francisco, which is like a hour and a half in good traffic. Wow. <laughs> so it was just, it was too much for me. And um, I just kind of slowly started losing it. And I started having these panic attacks, just like on the road to work or like, I would be afraid I wouldn't get enough sleep and then I'd have panic attacks in bed. And so I think it was just leaving the house, any kind of small stress after these panic attacks started would set me off into another panic attack. Mm -hmm. So eventually you're just afraid to leave the house because you're going to have a panic attack. You're going to have a panic attack and it's going to be very uncomfortable and you're not going to be sure how to get home. And you know, so uh -huh. yeah. And, um, I mean that, that was rough. Cause then you're just, you're just stuck inside and you want to leave. You want to go do things. Right. But it's, it's just terrifying. Uh -huh. So, um, that was, that was a nightmare. But, um, like I said, my therapist is a miracle worker, so. Well, yeah, that's what they do, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's that's so interesting. So you were in Livermore at the time? So did you grow up in Sacramento? Where, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. I grew up in Fremont. Okay. Um, uh, which was nice. So you're born, born, born in Fremont. Born in Fremont, raised in Fremont. Um, I went to college in Northern Colorado. Um, after I left 
Colorado the first time. I went to L.A. for a couple of years. Then my partner, Kevin, and I, he was in L.A. That's why I went there. And um, uh, But he's also from the Bay Area. We grew up together. And um, How did he end up in L.A.? He went there to be an actor. Okay. Yeah. Um, early on, that's what he wanted to do. But then he um, got into the video game industry. Okay. He was working... Um, or 2K games. Uh-huh. And then um, when they were going to move to Nevada, the company, we didn't want to. So we went to Colorado so I could finish school because I had not finished my left. And then we came back to Livermore and we were going to live in Livermore. We didn't really enjoy Livermore. Um, and then my husband got a job up here at Power School. Uh-huh. Um, and we just decided, you know, we were in a really small house. Um, that we could barely afford. <laughs> so we decided to come up here, lower cost of living at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. About four years ago. So right before prices kind of really So started. when you came out here, did, did you rent or buy? What, what did you do? We bought a house. Um, Score like, four yeah. years ago. Yeah, exactly. We, we were really lucky there. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet you cannot afford that house today. Oh, no. Yeah, no. same here. Yeah. No, and... Um, even, you know, because we couldn't really afford the house in Livermore. My parents were generous enough to take um, the equity from a second property they had and um, put it as a down payment on our house. And we took that equity for this house. So that's um, honestly affording a house in this decade is. <laughs> yeah, that's that man. Grateful for those parents, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the time. Um, what'd you, what were you studying in school? I was pre-med. Um, really? Yeah, I initially went to study history, but again, I mentioned the ADD, um, and I switched majors like 16 times and eventually settled on biomedicine uh -huh. um, and industrial chemistry. That's what I got my degrees in. And I wanted to go to med school, but uh, with I, at that time, I was having health issues. I was having seizures um, of an unknown origin. <laughs> it was uh -huh. a nightmare. So I was like, okay, med school's probably out for now. Um, for now. So I was trying to get a job in pharmaceuticals, and that's where I was working in South San Francisco at Genentech. Um, but honestly, I loved learning about science. I didn't like being in the environment. Well, I was in packaging, to be fair. But even when I had shadowed with um, people who were doing the, the lab work I was kind of looking for, it was so boring. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. So um, I kind of had to make new plans okay all right and so now you're just are you, are you still figuring that out um yeah i mean i'm working on my art and my comedy and seeing how much little money i can squeeze from that you know yeah and, uh, then supplementing it with instacart for now and okay kind of seeing what develops that, then that i think that's a great thing to do because i mean you're dabbling in these things um, because I really think that like the comedy and the art, we're going to get to the art in just a second. Yeah. I really think that the comedy and the art are outlets that are really helping you cope mm -hmm. with all of the other things. So if you weren't focusing on something that was helping take care of your ADHD, your agoraphobia, then those would ultimately drive you down, I think. Exactly. And like, I, I hate to bring you back to this role of therapist. <laughs> we were talking about earlier, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, that's what, so during those years where I was not working and the agoraphobia had me 
down, you know, it was just like, I was just kind of sitting in my house mad at myself that I wasn't being productive, that I wasn't like advancing my career, you know, and it's just like, none of that helped me. Being angry about that, being disappointed in myself, none of that helped me. What helped me was focusing on what I did enjoy and starting to do that just for myself and then kind of branching out towards how can I make this work for me. Right. So that's what I'm really focusing on. Now. Man, that's 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 so good. That's so great. To have that privilege. You know, like my husband provides most of what we need, right? And my parents are always there for financial support. They really are, which um, you know, most people don't have those things going on and so they're not able to just kind of do things for themselves as much. Mm -hmm. That's kind of just the society we live in where you have to like hustle and and I think that the people that are are lucky enough to have that gift should uh, create art and throw it out into the world because it, someone has to yeah exactly <laughs> so um th th you're a new comic and there's so many of us new comics you know that like um, I'm always like kind of like looking for interesting people to talk to on my podcast right so the fact that you're a new comic i was like there's so many new comics <laughs> you know but then um <clears throat> i saw that there was like I, and i don't even know how i came across it but somebody's feed somehow i saw that there was an art exhibit at stab comedy and i was like oh that's cool stabs like putting somebody's uh, art up and so i took a look and i was like is this that bald girl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was interesting because uh, Skip asked me to be in a show of hers um, that night. And then when she was looking over my Instagram, she saw my art and she suggested the um, show at Stab. And I guess Jesse had been interested in in doing something like that for a while. So I'm like, oh, okay. I had never done an art show because like... I'm just getting to the point in my art where I feel like I need to kind of market it out. And I, I hadn't really gotten to do that yet. And so, so that was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was nice to have people come and see my art. It was nice to have them compliment my art. It was nice to have them buy my art. All those things were very nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and did, did you, when, uh, when Skip or Jesse approached you, did you have enough art ready to go? I did. You did? I did. Yeah. Um, because, I, during the pandemic, I just popped out art. I mean, you know, because what else were we all doing? Mm -hmm. um, and there was all that, um, like we talked about earlier, just the, the mental toll it was taking being away from people. You know, the first few weeks of the pandemic, it was great, right? Because we were all like, we're in this together. We're doing something for everyone. And then the next couple of weeks, it's like, when is this going to end? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was rough. And so how long have you been doing art? Uh, I've been specifically painting for about two, two and a half years. Mm -hmm. Before that, I was doing furniture refinishing for a little bit. And that's oh, nice. kind of how I moved into acrylic painting. Because uh -huh. um, I was looking to do paint, hand-painted details on furniture. And um, I'd been looking into pour painting for a tabletop I wanted to do. And so I started with pour painting. And then I went to just painting with acrylics and i just really enjoyed it so. yeah um i really enjoyed uh 
So I, I hadn't seen the poor paintings until last night. I was looking at all the other stuff and I, and I was really digging all, all your other. Well, how would you describe uh, not the poor paintings, but the like the the figures or the figurines of the that you have up there? I, I kind of see a recurring theme, but I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the figures, if we're talking about particularly the ones I have at Stab. Yeah, right the now, ones you have at Stab right now. I have, so the first ones, the, the ones on top, the large, um, swirly kind of figures, just with, made with line segments. I call them swirly girls. And um, that was really just um, something I was doing to... To kind of practice when I started, I was like, I'm going to focus on one of the elements of art, you know, a day or something. And then when I was doing line, I kind of created this image and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I just kept doing it over and over again. Um, I love those, but they're like kind of my first, my first um, foray into art. And they're not, I don't think they really have captured like what I'm trying to do mm -hmm. um and then you see the other ones below them the um pinups the monster pinups oh yeah 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 the, um where the monsters are peeling their human skin off that i think gets more into what most of my paintings are now and that's kind of um focusing on contrast um obviously contrasting colors i love bright color um but also contrast in subject matter like um for instance, the pinups, you know, the sexy pinup idea with these horrific monsters peeling off their skin. Uh, but it's done in a very light and fun way, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to keep that contrast in subject matter kind of throughout my new paintings where my color palette and the way I use color is kind of naive and childlike, right? And I like to combine it with maybe more adult themes or with something dark um like i did a series where you know very bright colors i tried to focus on creating this kind of glow in certain areas um i wish i had any examples of these but people really liked them and bought them up <laughs> that's great <laughs> i know uh but like where i would contrast it with like a city scene and it's basically just trying to just portray you know that it's valentine's day it's zero degrees out um there are homeless people on the streets and then i had kind of smoke rising up to create these large hearts and it's so just kind of contrasting the naive childlike color palette with these kind of darker topics okay and that's kind of like where you're going now that's that's yeah that's a lot of what i like um right now i'm focusing on Bright, bright colors. I've got a little series I'm doing. I do everything in a series because when I have one idea, it never comes out exactly how I want, so I have to keep <laughs> at it. You have know? you have you hit a point, or have you noticed um, anything in your in the evolution of your of your art of where uh, comedy is starting to like like what what you're seeing at open mics, what you're seeing at shows, those feelings and those emotions where that is starting to come through onto the palette now? Yeah, um, a little bit. It, it makes me, it gives me idea. I ha it hasn't come down onto my canvases yet, but okay. in my list of notes, um, <laughs> just kind of ideas for things that are kind of more absurdist, you know, because that's what comedy is. It's finding absurdism in everyday life, or a lot of comedy. Okay. Um, observational comedy at least mm -hmm. and um, and so that 
they do kind of reflect each other. Uh, it's more so right now that my comedy kind of reflects my art, but um, I'm trying to kind of find creative ways to Where the art too. reflects the comedy? Right, right, right. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. Did so? Did you did you study art at all? Is this self taught? You said you learned lines and you like art. Was this like something where like you always had like a pen and a and a notepad and you were sketching and no. then you're like, let me read a book, let me take a course, let me watch a YouTube video. What's... No, I I'm a doodler. I've always been a doodler. <clears throat> yeah. But like nothing that anyone would want to look at, especially not my teachers who were always writing me comments about my doodles or my assignments. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you turn into Simon's and doodles on them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's impossible for me not to. Like I, I can't sit still. It's not something I'm, I'm good at, uh, especially when I was a kid. But um, I, I wasn't really. I, I'm one of those people who, I'm a perfectionist. Um, to the point where if I get into something and I'm not great at it. Right away, I'm just kind of like, yeah, fuck this. It's not for me. Yeah, this is stupid. <laughs> and so whenever my, my parents would encourage like art classes or something, because I've always been creative, I'd go, I'd draw. It wouldn't be as nice as what's-her-name's next to me, and I'd be like, fuck this. It's you wanted to be me. the best in class. Well, I needed to. I needed to. That's how I measured my worth as a human being. Wow. And, you know, I'm trying not to, not to do that anymore. Where do you think that came from? Uh, just, you know, I don't know. Have you been to the Bay Area? It's a Bay <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because I'm happy with not flunking and not having too much attention. Growing up in the Bay, plus uh, it's also that, um, uh, what do they call it, gifted kid syndrome. You know, they put you into the gifted classes because um, people with neurodivergence, we can hyper-focus. And so something we're really interested in, fuck, we can do it, right? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. But then they expect you to be able to do everything all the time, right? That they say, well. oh, you're so smart. And yeah. it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I have my moments, sure. And um, so those things, it, it, it's just something I think that happens to a lot of kids with uh, ADD. Uh, and I think I could go on for hours about the culture in the Bay Area and how it contributes to this kind of um, materialistic and um, this this need to always excel and always uh -huh. be bettering yourself, making more money, going mm -hmm. to the gym and getting harder constantly, you know? Um, yeah. So. Well, you had an hour in the day, you didn't do anything? You, you, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You're a piece of shit. Why, why would you? Yeah. So, um, you know, just those things. Do you um, see Do you see glimpses of the Bay Area in Sacramento or is Sacramento its own thing? I think Sacramento's its own thing. I mean... I like the Bay Area. I love it. I grew up there. I'm very comfortable there. There are some things I don't like. I love Sacramento. I love being here. There are some things that aren't as fun as the Bay Area. Like, you've got a large number of white supremacists uh -huh. around. The <laughs> I'm not big on that. But um, but in a lot of ways, it's a lot better. So, I, I don't know. It's People said it was slower up here for a while, and I never knew what that meant. But I get it now because it's not just this constant you know like go 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 make more money get a promotion there's a little bit more breathing room mm -hmm. and i don't know if that's just because of the the startup culture in the bay area or the fact that everything costs you so much i guess the two are intertwined so yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah 
So you don't regret the move from the Bay to Sacramento at all? No, was it something that you mulled over for a long time, or were you guys like, let's do it? We were pretty quick about it. Because um, uh, the uh, for a little while, my husband was commuting up here, and it was a better commute than mine because there was no traffic, but it's still it's a two-hour drive. And when I uh, stopped working in South San Francisco, uh, we were just like, oh, let's fucking move. Let's do it. We can't, we can't afford this. We're in this tiny little place that was like, I mean, we're just two people, but we had two big dogs. Two big dogs and two people could not fit in this tiny space we had. Yeah. It just wasn't working. So. That's yeah. awesome. Where is it hard to balance uh, comedy and art? Yeah. That's, um, that's something I'm kind of pondering going into the new year um, because both kind of making a career out of art or making a career out of comedy I'm sure you know involves going full bore yeah into it right and so and so I kind of can only go half bore into either one right uh-huh. now if I keep them both up so I am trying to find ways to kind of combine the two like uh, when the pandemic started I I started this um, mystery draw along which was just i would film myself drawing and i would start with shapes and lines uh, so that the idea was that you couldn't know what i was drawing really until the end when you got the final details right Uh and that that was really fun and i would make little jokes along the way and the theme became uh donald trump in life-threatening predicaments you know like i would be drawing they'd be all these shapes and then suddenly it's donald trump on a broken raft surrounded by sharks in the ocean oh no you know (laughs) ah and you know somebody help and it was and it was fun and i would make jokes a little like light jokes about whatever was going on in the news with him uh but then it just got to the point where it's like i can't spend this much of my life with donald trump (laughs) yeah it's making me angry it's making me stressed out Um, and so I kind of gave up on that, and I'm thinking of bringing it back now, but without the Trump in predicaments theme. You know? I I remember one time I was I, I had befriended a, a young lady who was an artist, and she showed me some stuff that like just blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then like you know, time went on, and like uh, two or three months later, we're talking about you know uh, art and being creative. And um, and I said, well, why don't you do some more stuff like those ones you showed me? And she said, to do that, I have to let myself go to a dark place. And I don't want to be there right now. Is yeah. that how how true is that? And I'm realizing how true that statement is. Um, what What's what's your words on, on stuff like that? Yeah, that can be... Because you kind of touched on it right now. Yeah, that can be very true. And having to, like, having to make jokes um, about Donald Trump while he's literally uh, just allowing... uh, I I don't know how to put it, because it's not like he actively killed COVID patients, but, I mean, he basically did with uh, the denialism and his Mm -hmm. shitty policies. uh, That was hard because you're watching the death toll climb and you're you know and it got to this point where all my art was starting to be donald trump themed like i did this one really dark painting that's just like him sprawled out naked on an american flag that's all stained with shit and urine and uh you know i drew sores all over his body just 
just as like a representation of him as a harbinger of disease. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, first of all, who would want to hang this up? <laughs> right. And secondly, did I just spend like a whole day drawing herpes sores on the, right. on the president um, while raging at how angry I was, you know, at, it's, it's just. But was it therapeutic to at least pass through that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was therapeutic, but eventually, like my therapist says, you know, you got to sit with your emotions, but at some point you're dwelling, you're ruminating, you're, yeah. you're not moving forward, you're keeping yourself in one place. Yeah, something that, that someone has told me about, like when I start to have like a panic attack or I start to have like anxiety, is to notice it, label it, and move on. Right. Yeah. So I think the once we figure out the the labeling and moving on part, I think it it really helps us in like just yeah. being healthier mentally. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I think my art specifically is helpful for me because I'm able to use such bright color palettes that really actually like create a sense of joy in me. And then whatever little uh societal ill I'm alluding to or whatever emotion that might be negative that I'm alluding to is kind of covered up by all these pretty colors which is which is interesting as an art as an artistic and an emotional concept in and of itself right the idea that a lot of us cover up our more intense emotions uh, with kind of pretty colors or pretty things um, and that you know, when we are disturbed by the world, we're often comforted by pretty things. And I think, I don't know, there, there's some line about materialism in there, but I haven't quite worked it out. <laughs> I think, it's, I think, uh, I, I think that the best things in life are, are all things that we haven't quite worked out. But for some reason, we keep going back to it uh, because there's some kind of wonderment about it. Yeah. And, uh, and we stare at it and we kind of get like the endorphins get going and the, and the juices get gone, and, and then we don't quite work it out, and then we move on. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we worked these things out, we'd understand the meaning of life. And, and then we'd have to die. Then we'd have to die. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. Man, uh, do, do you celebrate the holidays, or are you down with all the holiday cheer and all that? What, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your view on that? Usually, I'm a huge Christmas fan. Okay. Decorator and everything. The last couple of years, <sighs> Christmas. I, I love hate it because I love the decorations. I love the songs. I love putting up my tree and everything. I hate having to put everything away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not big on socializing, so all the parties get to be too much. And um, uh -huh. so this year, and we did this last year too, and last year it was more out of um, necessity, right? Like we needed to spend the holidays apart. We just kind of are taking the holidays off. Um, okay. Like we went to see my family at Thanksgiving, and so we'll probably go to see some of Kevin's family um, during the week or so he'll take off, but we're not doing Christmas Day um, because it had just become too much, you know? Yeah. Um, we would go to my mom's for her side of the family's Christmas on Christmas Eve, and then Christmas morning was with my dad's side of the family at my sister's house. And then Christmas afternoon 
Wait, 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 no, I skipped one. Kevin's mom first thing in the morning. <sighs> yes. Then my sister's house, and then Kevin's dad in the evening. So four Christmases and a day and a half, and it was just like, this isn't enjoyable. Yeah. Like, I love seeing all these people, but we've got to spread this out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that local Sacramento band, uh, Hobo Johnson and the Lovemakers, they have a song where the the little the the kid is saying, "I just want one Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I, all I want is one Christmas." Do you remember when we had I'm one Christmas? In my yeah. yeah. Do you remember when we had one Christmas? That's that's all I want is yeah. one Christmas. But yeah, I, I decorated my house this year, and I and I feel really good about it. It really it really put me in a, in a good Christmassy mood. So yeah. now I'm kind of I'm looking forward to it, and uh, and it's been a, it's been a, a fun time of year. Hey, um, are you ready for five easy questions? Yes. Are you nervous about them? <laughs> you said you looked them over. I did look them over. I actually I actually wrote out answers to them. I'm not going to read them. Do you want to grab so your I, notes? No, no, no. That was just so I'd know what I'm I was gonna talking about. I'm going to try to pull them from memory. I, I have them written down. <laughs> and I, I'm just like, let me see if I can do it. And I, I worry that even though they're my own five easy questions. I'll pull that, up my phone just in case you forget. Okay, in case I forget. <laughs> yeah, <don't> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, Jillian, what are you afraid of? Um, you know, lots of things. As I said, I have anxiety, so everything. But, um, uh, particularly the men in power who are trying to pull us back to, like, a 1600s Puritan colony. That's scary. Um, and climate change, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to die before we're all fighting over the last of the fresh water. That's that's my goal in in a in this climate. <laughs> that I I that's how I feel about climate control is like I'm like, well, I'm going to be gone for the worst of it. Like I hope I'm going to be gone for the worst of it. <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's some scary shit. Um who or what inspires you? Uh so really I take inspiration from art in kind of all formats. Like, if I could be, I'd be an all-medium artist. You know, I'm always getting ideas for, like, oh, I should write a book about, or, like, I'm going to write this poem, or I would love to try glass blowing. you know? Um, but I don't have time as a singular individual to do all of that, so seeing other people's art in any medium I can take as inspiration for my own art, whether it's comedy or, or painting, I feel like. Right on, right on. I feel that, yeah. Um, what uh, I, I like this question because uh, the first time I asked it, somebody like right away said uh, this series of books. I was like, wow, I never thought about that. But like, what are you binging right now? Like, what are you just... Uh, I, started, I started binging Christmas movies yesterday. Oh, yeah. What are you, what are you binging right now? Paranormal documentaries, uh, like things about UFOs or reincarnation or Bigfoot even. Um, and some of it's like ghost hunting, aliens that turn out to be ghosts or ghosts that turn out to be aliens or aliens that are really military robots. I, It's all, I'm a skeptic, but it's all <laughs> fascinating. And there's this new theory coming up um, in some circles of paranormal investigators that this is all related, you know, that it's not aliens and uh, ghosts and Bigfoot. It's all glimpses of beings living in other, in higher dimensions, or maybe events manipulated by beings in higher dimensions, and or even lower dimensions, like 
like these lights in Colorado that some theorize might be glimpses of, you know, two-dimensional um, beings. A lot of the alien stuff stems mm-hmm. from that, right? Right, right. Yeah. Which, is, which is fascinating. Like, I mean, just the idea of it. Like I said, I'm a skeptic, but I want to believe. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I was in high school, I, I dove hardcore into... Uh, Bud Hopkins missing time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, I was just like every anybody who would listen, I'd be like, no, because they abduct you <laughs> at this point in time, but then when they put you back, they put you here, so they for, so you lost like two hours, and like before I know it, my friends are looking at me like, nah, man, we just want to get high. Like, yeah, I got really into UFO stuff um, in high school too, and then uh, ghost hunting stuff. Uh, early in my first marriage which was not great and when your life isn't great you kind of want to think about other lives so, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah um i've definitely picked this hobby up several times and yet i've never had an experience you know like that i can't explain so yeah I'm yeah still a skeptic well until... <laughs> you, you've done so much like science and biology right like it's probably you're like no nah, there's a root Cause yeah, to this. and most of the time that root cause is fairly easy to find, and even if I can't find it, I kind of have faith that I could find one, which is bad in science. You shouldn't just have faith that you, but I know what I don't know, right? Okay. <laughs> so, but um, I would love to have an experience that just blew my mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like seeing an apparition or something. Yeah. Where just I had to be like, shit, am I insane? <laughs> all right, all right. Um, what have you been meaning to get to? Um, well, I, I kind of mentioned the, um, the draw along that I'm going to try to do to kind of marry these two things together. So I, that was my answer for this, but, um, also I, I got these three chickens, um, and they don't really have a good secure setup yet. So I've been kind of planning and drawing out like a, a little city for them to live in. That would be kind of like a mini art installation in my backyard uh that is dope that is what i'm i'm trying to kind of do and we finally bought um i was going to build the structure and everything but it's just too much work and i'm not good with physical labor so we bought um kind of a large animal cage you know it's like nine feet by 12 feet and so that's where we'll it's gonna start there That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if I can pull it off. How do the neighbors feel about your chickens? Uh, well, we asked the neighbors. Uh, the, the chickens were an accident. I adopted one that just started, that just kind of came to our house and started living in our front yard. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so we asked the neighbors. We said, you know, we don't know a lot about chickens. If there's too much noise or they smell or anything, just let us know and we'll figure it out. Yeah. And so far they haven't had any complaints. Man, what, what great neighbors you guys are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's well, a... I mean, no roosters or anything. That's, mm. I think in citrus heights, that's against the law anyway on our property. So. Okay. Yeah. So the law-abiding citrus heights folks. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What are you looking forward to? Um, let's see. What am I? Oh, looking this one you're looking. To? You're looking yeah. at the notes for this one. I had to, well, um, there's a couple things. I have to. I get to get more chickens once I put this together. I don't have to put the whole artistic thing together, but once I have the secure space for them, I'm going to get three more chickens and that excites me because I'm obsessed with chickens right now. Um, 
And then the other thing, and this is kind of a, a plug for my volunteer program. Nice. <laughs> I just I just finished training and um, was assigned. Uh, well, let's start with what it is. I I just finished training to be a CASA, which is a court, court um, yeah. special advocate for kids in the foster care system. And um, I just met my youth, and they're amazing. And um, they're about, uh, they'll turn 18 soon. And so um, I'm kind of looking forward to assisting them on that journey and everything and being involved with it and getting to know them better. And um, I do just want to point out that if anyone is listening has any interest, there's a huge need for advocates like this, and especially men and advocates of color. We are majority white females, and um, the foster care system is not majority white females. Hmm. So um, there's there's a big need uh, for anyone who thinks that they have the time, wants to help a child in a in foster care, but isn't av- available to be a foster parent, and um, it's, I believe they sell it as a 20 hour uh, a month commitment. Uh, I don't know how true that is yet, but. <laughs> sounds like a lot. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing in that program. How much of that time is face to face or is it just like a lot of like uh, interaction, like over messaging or. Uh... Generally, um, so with the pandemic and everything, a lot of oh, yeah. people were meeting on Zoom and some are, still are, but with vaccines and safety protocols and everything we do meet in person i've uh generally you meet with your youth once a week it's supposed to be youth-led so if your youth isn't feeling it you know (laughs) just give them some options but um that's the time you're spending together and then the rest of the time is really just documenting um your interactions with them so that you can provide a report to the court and um, provide your opinion and their opinion on um, what would be good for them going forward. So, yeah. Awesome. And my youth is older, so they can more or less advocate for themselves, and I'm just there as support and, you know, to try and make things happen. You might communicate with schools or um, with, their, with their attorneys, you know, just trying to make things happen for them that they need. Right on. Well, Jillian, thank you for coming over this morning. Um, I was looking forward to it, but let me tell you, I started looking forward to it even more when uh, yesterday I was talking to Buddy and we were talking about the podcast and I said, oh, I'm going to interview Jillian tomorrow. And he just like, he just put his hands on. He's like, she's such an amazing artist and interesting person. You're going to have a great time. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, all right, all right. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Because it was just so sincere. Like, his reaction was so sincere. And I was like, cool. Because, like, it's 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 still hard to, like, talk to. I'm Basically, I'm talking to a stranger, you know? Like, right, right. Like, we've interacted a couple times at open mics, and you've just basically not gotten on my nerves. <laughs> like, at this point. That's my goal, mostly. Yeah. So, so I was like, oh, she hasn't gotten on my nerves, and she's an artist, so we can talk about that. So. But thanks a lot. I really enjoyed this, and and yeah, I, I think you. you're you're an interesting individual, and I wish you tremendous success wherever it's going to take you. I hope you're. I'm sure you're going to follow that path. Well, 
thank you so much. All right. And